Do you want to be happy? Of course you do. Everyone wants to be happy. It is the one thing that every human person has in common. A desire for happiness. The problem is that even though we all agree that we want to be happy, that this is the purpose of life, we are all completely confused on how to get there. A good job, a good house, and a family are all pretty common ingredients, but many of us know someone who lacks one or all of those things and is still somehow happy. From the beginning of history, there have been systems upon systems trying to explain how to be happy, some more effective than others, some longer lasting than others, but all incomplete in some way. We try fads, we seek wisdom, we deny ourselves, we indulge ourselves, but at the end of the day, there always seems to be something missing. The reason the pursuit of happiness is so difficult is because we do not truly know ourselves as human beings. We have been blessed with life, but have no idea what it means or what to do with it. So we experiment and guess and try everything under the sun just to see what will work. It's like trying to assemble IKEA furniture without the instructions or half the necessary tools. It could all fall apart at any time. Logically, then, if we want to be happy, we should read the instructions. We should ask our designer. The one who created us does not just know our molecular structures, he also knows our hearts and what will make us happy. If we want to live our humanity to its fullest, the guaranteed or your money back method is to ask God himself who we are and what we need. But here we reach another problem. How can we ask God? And which God? Do we ask the Jewish God, or the Christian God, or the Muslim God, or the Hindu gods, or the pagan goddesses, or the spiritual but not religious uniting spirit, or maybe the force from Star Wars? If we know that our Creator holds the secrets to happiness, who can speak for the Creator? How can we be sure that God is with one religious figure and not another? The answer is the empty tomb. If we want to find God somewhere and be sure that it is Him, we have to look for something that only God can accomplish. And if there is anything that God and God alone possesses, it is the power over life and death. Sure, we could look for miraculous healings or prophecy or holiness of life, and these are certainly still signs of God's presence. But modern biology and psychology have made the line between divine presence and human science in these realms a little bit blurrier these days. And yet, even with all our technological advances, we humans are still unable to create life or to bring a man back from the dead which is exactly what happened with Jesus. Before we proceed further, though, let's make sure we are clear on a few important things. First, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is an historical event. 
A man named Jesus was born in modern-day Palestine during the reign of the Roman Emperor Augustus and was put to death in Jerusalem by the Roman governor Pontius Pilate during the reign of the Roman Emperor Tiberius. Jesus is not a myth or a story, but a man who lived in a specific place during a specific time, both of which we can identify. This man, Jesus, was killed using a Roman method of torture called crucifixion, which was reserved for the worst criminals of the Roman Empire, and the Romans were exceedingly good at ensuring that their criminals died. Jesus did not faint. He was not in a coma. He could not fake the death that he underwent. Jesus of Nazareth was dead and was laid in a tomb. But then, 36 hours later, that tomb was found empty, and no one at that time or since has been able to produce a tomb or a body belonging to Jesus of Nazareth. What is more, there are documented accounts from multiple eyewitnesses who saw Jesus, fully healed of his wounds, alive. Not as a ghost, but as a fully alive human being, body and soul. A man who ate and drank and spoke with them, and who allowed them to touch his flesh to prove that it was not an illusion. The resurrection is a documented, historical event. Second, not only is the resurrection a historical event, it is a reliable and believable historical event. We have, even today, fragments of documents that can be carbon dated to within a lifetime of the death of Jesus of Nazareth. These fragments almost perfectly match the documents which we today refer to as the New Testament. That is, accounts of the life of Jesus of Nazareth, as well as letters written between the first generation of Jesus' followers. These are documents written by people who either knew Jesus or knew people who knew Jesus, and they are written while the same people and institutions that put Jesus to death were still alive. Jesus was killed because of a political rivalry, so we can rest assured that if these opposing forces could have produced a body or a tomb, they would have. But instead, the account of the resurrection of Jesus spread across the entire Roman Empire unchallenged, because there were hundreds of eyewitnesses to Jesus' resurrection, and none who were witnesses to a hoax or conspiracy. And in addition to these very well-preserved documents, we have in our possession today very ancient manuscripts from the second and third generations of Christians who learned about Jesus from the eyewitnesses, and who continued to pass that information along to subsequent generations. There are no gaps in the historical record. There has never been a time, from the resurrection of Jesus until now, where we do not have records of how this information spread. The resurrection is not a hoax, it is not a myth, it is not a nice story we tell our children. It is an historical event, better documented from more sources than the lives of Alexander the Great or Julius Caesar. Of course there are people who deny the resurrection, but they do so not because of the historical record, but because they refuse to believe in God, in the miraculous, in something so profoundly life-changing and unique 
that it would require a change of life. But these people are not unique. There are plenty of people who ignore many events in history because it makes them uncomfortable. No, my friends, the empty tomb is real, and it cannot be ignored. Jesus of Nazareth is the only reliable account of a man being raised from the dead. So if you are looking for your creator, you can look nowhere else than Jesus of Nazareth. Only in Jesus do we have absolute proof of God's intervention. Because only in Jesus have we ever seen the power over life and death on full display. And this should change our lives. If we crave happiness, if we want to know how and why we were created and what we have to do to be happy, then we should be hungry for Jesus. We should want to know everything we can about him and about his followers. We should devour the Gospels and the early Christian letters. We should crave the interpretations of his life given to us by those first few generations of Christians who lived and died for Jesus. If the mysteries of life have been locked away from us, Jesus is the key who opens them all. Jesus is the answer to every question. Jesus is the proof given to us by God that God is at work in the world. God has revealed himself to us, and somehow that revelation is connected with Jesus. And if God has somehow revealed himself to us in Jesus, then we should desperately desire to join together with other like-minded people to discover and live out this revelation. Look around you. Look around this church. These are the followers of Jesus. These are the people who have received the eyewitness testimony handed on from generation to generation that Jesus has risen from the dead. These are the people who have dedicated themselves to following the resurrected one because they know that he is the key. They know that he is the way and the truth and the life. These are the people who know that happiness, if it is found anywhere, is going to be found in Jesus. The Lord has truly been raised. It has appeared to Simon. Alleluia.